0: Okay, welcome to another Jesus rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is season two, episode 21, Exodus three fourteen, And the reason that I titled the episode that way today is because what we're gonna talk about is, well, I'll just read it and then I'll explain it because we're gonna go into it a lot deeper. So Exodus chapter three, verse 14 reads, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And I I think that I will probably do a whole episode or maybe even a series of episodes on the idea of I am and the times that Jesus said that in the scriptures to identify himself and the power that comes with that identification, which is kind of a little bit, but what we're going to talk about today. But the important part for me for today is, excuse me, is that phrase, I am who I am. And in the King James, it reads, I am that I am. And what that means is that phrase, I am who I am, or I am that I am. It means I will be what I will be, or I will be whatever you need me to be. And we're going to read quite a bit of this chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 3, here in just a minute. But the point of it, and again, the point of this episode is, we have to understand who we are in context to who God is and in context to each other. Because we all have you know, many different uh, names or titles or roles that we assume or that we play in this life like for instance i'm a father and i'm also a son i'm an employee i'm a coworker uh i'm a writer i'm a i'm a podcast you know creator whatever whatever podcaster whatever you call that so we all have different ways of defining ourselves and it's important how we define ourselves because how you see yourself is how you will be yourself how you think of yourself listen Everything you do flows from what you believe. What you believe about yourself dictates what you will do, how you will act. It all comes from the inside out. Whatever's inside of you will come out of you because it's too big and it's too strong and it's too powerful not to. You can't hold it in. You couldn't hold it in if you tried. And when we're talking about our true selves, of course, we're talking about love. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body in our flesh, love in our body. So in order to let what's truly, honestly, really inside of us come out, we have to know what's truly, honestly, really inside of us. We have to know it and believe it. We have to receive it and release it. We have to understand who we are in order to be who we are. And what I'm going to try to show today is that doesn't mean one thing in the same way that God meant it, we can mean it. In the same way that God meant, I will be whatever you need me to be, we can do that to and for each other. We can be what somebody else needs us to be. And we can do that without giving away our true selves, without giving away our identity, but by embracing our identity, by standing firm in in, in the truth and in the knowledge of who we really are. So let's get into this. I have three pretty big passages I want to read today. So uh, let's jump into it and and we'll start right where we're at in Exodus chapter 3. And this is, uh, the heading here is Moses and the burning bush. And we're just going to start with verse 1 and read down to verse 15. So it reads, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Did you catch that? Not a lot of people always necessarily bring this up with Moses, but Moses was a shepherd, type and shadow of Jesus. It all connects. It all comes back around. It's all Jesus. History is his story. So it says he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement, though this bush was engulfed in flames. It didn't burn up. This is amazing. Moses said to himself, Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And kind of a little bit of context here is that you may or may not know this about the desert, but bushes will not quite spontaneously combust, but just, you know, because of the heat of the environment, they will burn, like, all the time. That's nothing new. That's nothing big. That's nothing important. If Moses had seen a burning bush, he probably wouldn't have paid any attention to it. But the thing was, was that the bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. That was what was unique about it. That was what was amazing about it. And he even said, why isn't this bush burning up? That's what got his attention. It was something new. It was something different. It was something important. It's the idea of being totally consumed by the consuming fire that is God, but not burning. Okay? When 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 the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into the fiery furnace, they didn't burn up. The furnace was burning and it was hot and, you know, flames everywhere. But God protected his people. They did not burn. And, you know, if if you read that story, Pharaoh even looks into the flames and he says, didn't I throw three men in there? Because I see four and one of them is the son of God, which was just a crazy thing to say, you know, so many years and years and years before Jesus even has earthwalk ministry. But I believe that Jesus appears All throughout time in history because again it's his story I think when we're waiting for uh, an appearance of Jesus or the return of Jesus I think he appears and returns all the time I think anytime you love somebody Jesus appears where two or three are gathered there he is in the midst but let's continue on with this verse 4 says when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look God called to him from the middle of the bush Moses Moses Here I am, Moses replied. And remember, we ranted about that not too long ago, about sometimes God will call you and then qualify you. And all you have to do is respond. All you have to do is answer the call. All you have to do is be there and be willing to do what God wants to do in you and through you and as you. So verse five says, do not come any closer. The Lord warned, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father the land where the Canaites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. Do you see what I'm saying? That's that's his whole point. He calls people to do things, but he will never leave us nor forsake us. If God calls you to do something, God will accomplish that thing. He'll just use you to do it. So he uh, again, verse 12, God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, They will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So, what God was doing was he was describing himself to Moses and he was giving Moses all power and authority, which when you know, again, when Jesus came on his Earthwalk ministry, he spoke a lot about how all power and authority has been given unto me and about how he gave that power and authority unto us. So it's all, again, it's the same thing over and over again. It's almost like God really wants us to understand this concept and, and to, uh be familiar and be strong and be able to use this concept in our lives, which is what I always try to do with these Jesus rants. You know, I always try to give something practical where the rubber meets the road, something that you can use uh in your life on a daily basis. I don't want to swim too deep that you you can't hold your breath to get down there. And I don't want to uh to overflow or or, or overload or, or over flood you with you know, quote unquote, deep truths. I just want to really give practical, easy to use uh, truths about God, which of course are truths about us, so that we can stop living a life of struggle and a life of just scraping by, and we can start to lead and enjoy the abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of God. It's so important that we know who we are, where we are, why we're here, what's available to us, all of these truths about God, which again are truths about us, truths about the kingdom, kingdom living, living as a king and a priest and not as a, as a slave, living as a son, living as the physical embodiment of God, which again is love. We are the physical embodiment of love. Wherever you go, that's where love is. You can be whatever somebody needs you to be. And that's what we're going to look at next as we move to First Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to read verses 19 through 27. First Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 19 reads, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I when I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law, so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. There's a couple important things here. Paul, who wrote the, the letter to the Corinthians, he made a distinction between the Jewish law and the law of God, or the law of Christ. He made a distinction between Gentiles who don't follow the Jewish law and Jews who do, which it always amazes me and astounds me and kind of saddens me that so many people in the world, so many Gentiles, so many Christians, so many whatever you want to call call them or call us or whatever it is, we always put ourselves under the Jewish law under a law that was never given to us. And we say, well, the Bible says, you know, the 10 commandments say, but also nobody follows all of those Jewish laws. I don't know if if the Jewish people do or not. I'm I'm talking about Gentiles here because there's so many of them. I think there's like 800 some odd laws that they drew out of the 10 commandments. And it's about like, like, sowing your field and not having mixed seed next to each other and it's about never touching a pig skin so all the football players are out or anybody who's ever played football is out uh dietary restrictions um wardrobe restriction like there's so like if you say i follow the ten commandments but you don't follow all of those laws you know the bible says in another place uh he who has broken part of the law has broken the whole law so it's just funny to me that we kind of like cherry pick and we kind of pick and choose and we kind of preach our culture about uh, what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do according to the Bible and uh, and again you know Paul was Paul said I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it any which way in order to bring people to Christ if I'm with the Jews then I will live like a Jew in order to bring them to Christ not because I agree with all of those things and not because I think that's that will bring us to Christ but I'm going to connect with you on that level I'm going to get down to where you're at I'm going to find that common ground with you So that together we can move forward to Christ. And the same thing, you know, he said the same thing with the Gentiles. He said, uh, when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And to me, the law of Christ is the perfect law of liberty. It's the new commandment that Jesus gave to the new man, which is to love one another as Christ loves you. That's the law that we have. To follow, or I guess that we ought to follow. God is love. God loves you. You ought to love him back by loving people. That's as simple as I can make it. That's that's really my whole philosophy. That's what, to me, everything in the Bible boils down to. God is love. He loves you. We ought to love him back by loving each other. But Paul goes on to write in uh, verse 22, he says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And, you know, Paul wrote in another place that uh, physical exercise is, uh, he said it has some merit. So, you know, staying healthy, uh, taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, taking care of business. Uh, theres There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad about that. Uh, we shouldn't look down on people. And and again, you know, I think, I don't know. I think everybody wants people to be like them in a sense. Like everybody finds something different about somebody and wants to pick on that or attack that or condemn that. But then also I feel like a lot of times when we see ourselves in other people, we want to pick on that and condemn that and, and, you know, go against that too. So really the best thing that I think that we can do is to learn to accept ourselves. And if you accept yourself, then you will be able to accept others. And that's, I think, a big part of what we're talking about here. When when he said, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. He wasn't making himself weaker than he was. He was actually showing his strength and using his strength. So it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to make people feel bad about being weak. I feel like the only time you should ever look down on somebody is if you're reaching down to help them up. So, and, and I you know, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Sometimes I get some flack for this. But with my own son, I'm pretty much whatever the opposite of a helicopter parent is. I don't hover. I don't do everything for him. I want him to learn and grow and be able to do things himself and, and live his own life. But I always tell him, Bub, I want you to try as hard as you can. And if you can't do it, then I will help you. And, you know, in the natural, I think that's probably a good way to do it. Like I said, sometimes I get some flack for it because sometimes I think people think that uh, I'm a little hard on him or a little, a little harsh with him. But I, I I have a sincere hope that that's going to bode well for him as he continues to learn and grow and get older and mature. But having said that, even in the spirit, our God is even better than we could ever be because he will hover over us. Uh, You know, Genesis uh, chapter one talks about in the beginning when it was dark and void without form, the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. He does hover over us. He is a helicopter parent. He is whatever we need him to be. And he's always there. I heard one preacher say God's a stalker. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you even to the bitter end. Uh, I believe it was David who wrote in the Psalms about, you know, if, if, if I rise up to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, you're there. There's nowhere that we can go that God isn't right there with us. And, you know, even more specifically on this side of the cross, because he lives inside of us. So uh, my point, what I'm trying to say is. You don't have to be weak in order to share someone's weakness. When you share their weakness, you're actually being strong because you're helping them with their weakness. You're helping them through their weakness. Like, like if, if, if you don't drink, but somebody else does, that doesn't mean you have to go drink with them. It just means you, you don't have to condemn them for their drinking. And you can even, you know, like, to some degree, like you can help them and be like, well, OK, I'll come out with you for a few. You can have a few and I'll be your designated driver and I'll make sure you're safe and I'll take care of you to a degree. You know, you don't want to enable people, but you want to be able to fellowship with them and, and, and find that common ground with them so that you can bring them to Christ. It's not enabling. Uh, it's not something that you do in order to help them hurt themselves. It's just meeting them where they're at. So I want to read one more passage of scripture. I'm going to read Romans chapter 14 and I'm, I'm going to try to read the whole thing, but we'll get as far as we get in the next 10 minutes. So it says Romans chapter 14, starting with verse one, Accept others who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes. Each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. There's more to read and we're going to get into it, but I just want to stop here and and just really try to hammer home the idea of living in a way that will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Because this idea is not very popular. In this day and age, in this day and age, we have kind of built a society around selfishness, around, I have to do what's best for me. And if you get hurt in the process, I'm sorry, but that's not my problem. That's kind of the attitude that we've cultivated these days, where nobody wants to put anybody ahead of or above themselves. Nobody's willing to sacrifice in order to for somebody else to succeed. And that's not biblical, that's not scriptural, that's not holy, that's not righteous, that's not Jesus, that's not love. Jesus, you know, he, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, this part isn't my favorite, but Jesus's response to it is is my favorite. Uh, John the Baptist gets beheaded, Jesus's cousin, and, and really probably one of his best friends, and he's dead. And Jesus goes away to mourn and to pray and to get with his father and, uh, you know, deal with it, mourn and grieve in his own way, which actually Jesus did quite a bit. He would get away from everything and everybody and just commune with the father. But in this particular case, it had a purpose. And again, the purpose was, you know, he was mourning John the Baptist's death. And yet the people needed him. They wanted something from him. They expected something from him and they cried out to him and for him. And I feel like if my best friend died and I was in the midst of the grieving process and somebody needed a favor from me or needed something from me, somebody wanted me to do a miracle for them, or even if somebody wanted me to do a favor for them, like like I'm a truck guy and I have a truck and in helping people move things comes with the territory of being a truck guy. But if my best friend died and I was grieving about it, And somebody asked if I could help them move something in my truck. I think in my, you know, quote unquote humanity, I would probably flip my wig. I would probably lash out at them. I would not be a happy camper. I would not want to do it. But what Jesus did is what Jesus always did. He put others before himself and he went and he ministered to the people and he gave them what they needed. And that's what true agape sacrificial God love is. It's laying your life down for your friends. It's giving everything you have and everything you are to somebody else in order to improve their situation. It's not worrying about yourself. And the only way that I found that you can not worry about yourself is if you know that God has your back. If God's got you covered, you don't have to worry about yourself because he's got you covered. So let's go on and let's continue on with this. Verse 14 reads, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. Now, again, this is interesting because, you know, we talked about some of the dietary laws and uh, there, there's another whole big passage. I believe it's in the book of Acts where uh, where God tells one of his, uh, I can't remember, I'm blanking on the disciples name right now or, or the, the, the figure's name right now. But God tells him to eat. And he says, I've never eaten any unclean thing. And God says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. It's fine for you to eat it because it's from me. And he was making a very clear distinction between the Jewish law, the law of Moses, and his new law, his new world, his, his new kingdom, where in this new kingdom, we don't have to Uh, obey all those restrictions. We can live with grace, and we can live with mercy. Uh, Again, he says, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat and drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And again, that just one more time reinforces to me that sin is simply unbelief. Sin is simply believing anything other than what God says. And then, of course, acting out of that belief. You always act out of your belief. What you believe dictates what you do and how you act. But here's the thing. In order to be for others what God is for us, I am that I am. I am whatever you need me to be. I will be what I will be in order to do that. We have to put others first to go back to my drinking uh, example. If you don't have a problem drinking, but you know, somebody does, and then they see you drinking and then they think, well, if it's okay for him, it must be okay for me. And then there they go down, you know, downward spiral. Then your freedom has put them in bondage. And again, it's this, it's this mindset that we have that, well, I, I, I can do whatever I want to do, and if it hurts someone else, too bad. But that's not a good mindset to have. A better mindset, a more excellent way, is to say, I'm not gonna do something that would hurt you. If me drinking this beer is gonna cause you to start drinking, I don't even need it. I'm not worried about it. It doesn't bother me to have it, so it shouldn't bother me to not have it. I'm not gonna use my freedom to put myself under bondage to something. I'm gonna use my freedom to help free others. I'm going to be whatever you need me to be. I'm going to be all things to all people so that I might gain a few for Christ. I'm going to love everybody so I can show everybody what love is all about. And again, love is laying your life down for your friends. Love is giving everything you have and everything you are, not worrying about the fact that it seems like the more you love, the less people love you. Just do what God puts in your heart to do. And if you're going to do something that's going to hurt somebody else, don't do it. Be who God is to you, to others. Show God to others. Let the God inside of you, the love inside of you, come out of you. That's how we share the gospel. That's how we win people for Christ. It's by loving them, by laying our lives down, by showing people who God is. So that's what I have for this week. Again, I hope it's practical. I hope it's something we can use on a daily, day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis Uh, if you're in doubt of what to do, follow your heart, put other people first. If it's going to hurt somebody else, maybe don't do it. That's what I have for this week. That's what was on my heart. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all your support. And as always, we will see you next week. Okay. Well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, JesusRant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can, uh, get the, my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, If you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by... Uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and you can su- you can support it. Excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it, and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh, to help me to get the word out. Which you know, as we know by now, is is my heart is just getting this word out. Word without walls ministry. Um, so. Just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.